Salutations, friends. Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to the Recap Book Chat. My name is Kate, and this is my mom, Sheila. And we are just so excited that you're with us today. And I wanted to share a quote from Teddy Roosevelt. I am part of everything that I have read. What have you been reading? We'll share with you what we've been reading and what's at the top of our book stack. Welcome to the Recap Book Chat. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are diving into a book called Ken's K's Kingdom by Michael Mapergo, and he also wrote War Horse, if you are familiar with that movie, and it was a book too. And this was written in 1999, and it takes you back to, it, it starts in the present and then goes back a flashback. Most of the book's a flashback, right? Yes. And um, to World War II. Yet again. <laughs> so it is, it, it's a very good, quick read action. There's so much action in it. It's, so kick us off, kind of give us an overview of, of what it's about. What Where does this really take place? Well, the main character is Michael, a boy, and his parents both lose their jobs. So... Uh, he is shocked that his dad takes their savings and buys a yacht, and they name the yacht Peggy Sue. And his mom is deemed the skipper and, by his dad. And the reluctant crew, which would be his mom and Michael, they get trained for six months before starting on their trip around the world. And then um, when things happen, but that's the start of it, and then... You know, I think his mom gets sick and they have problems, but they are trained. I, what did I like about the first of it? Their dad seemed like he was really out there. But then again, he dotted the I's. He crossed the T's. What do you think? I mean, I agree. I thought it was, he he said, when are we going to have a chance like this again? They both lost their jobs and it's like, why not? It's they, they actually went sailing, I think, a lot on the weekend. So they love sailing, but it was always on a smaller scale. Scale. And so it's it, it's kind of a risk, but it's like it's one of those adventure things that come once in a lifetime. And yeah, I agree with you. It's not like they just jumped in a boat and took off and didn't know anything. They found someone to train them. I think it, for yeah, six months or more to heavy lifting. They did the heavy lifting, and so therefore, when they're on the oh, and another main character is Stella, which is Michael's dog. So Stella goes with them. And that's where your story turns when Stella, it, they're playing and she goes overboard and then Michael goes overboard. And, and they're, um, and they, which struggle. that was something from their training that I think that's a good indication of that's why we have safety precautions. Cause they, he was supposed to be wearing, Michael was supposed to be wearing the safety harness and he was always supposed to be wearing it when you're on deck and he wasn't. So. I mean, it's one of those things that... A little bit of a rebel, maybe. A little bit. Because when he's found, he, you know, he, th they keep each other alive, basically. You know, it's reminiscent of, if you've ever read um, The Black Stallion, a horse keeps that boy alive, saves him. Another connection is the K, mm. which that was during a hurricane, and uh, an old man saves saves him. And here we have an old man, too. Who saves him. Yeah. But when they met, the man tells him not to swim. 
you know, and he tells him not to swim. Well, what does Michael do? Uh, yeah, he swims. And the reason he told him not to swim in that area was there were paralyzing jellyfish or something. I think in life, who of, who among us has not said, someone said, don't do something. And then you, you've got to do it. Don't touch that. It's hot. What do you do? You touch it. I think that was my most memorable scene when he got, when Mike got stung by the jellyfish because he almost died. But that is actually kind of what brought him in um, Kinsuke, which it it looks like Kinsuke. I think we spent the whole book book in our head saying Kinsuke until recently. I think it's pronounced it's Japanese and it's for Kinsuke. So tell us about so tell us about the old man that is on this island. Well, the the. He's remarkable because he's been on here since um, this is so the present time would have been 1999 is when they bought Peggy Sue and were lost at sea. So um, Kinsuke been on there since 1940-ish sometime in, in the World War II and he paints these shells and he teaches Michael how to paint the shells and how to survive. Uh, but one of my favorite quotes that I wrote down he says, uh, when Michael told Kinsuke uh, that back home in England, that's where Michael and his family live, England, many things said made in Japan. Then Kinsuke said, I made in Japan person, he laughed. Very old machine, still good, still very strong. That was one of my favorite quotes. But the whole book is about, and he cares for these gibbons, and he He's made friends. He has survived all by himself all this time. It's amazing. What are your thoughts? and the orangutans? He yes. he's like the orangutans leader, kind of. There's a whole group of orangutans that he kind of takes care of, and he knows how to communicate with them. And so, and interestingly enough, that this was actually inspired by a true story of a Japanese soldier's soldier named like Hiro or Hiro. Um, who in 1945 was stranded on an island and he refused to believe that the war was over and he lived on there for 29 years. So yes. this is based off a true story. Kinda so like the Count of Monte Cristo. Yeah. Truth is stranger than fiction. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I didn't necessarily, there's things about the ending that we'll get to in a minute, but I guess that makes sense why it is that way if it was based on a true story. Mm-hmm. So, but I, yeah, he, he, the Michael would not have survived without Kinsuke. So he, he basically pulled him out of the water, um, saved him, and then he couldn't nursed find... Him, nursed him back to health because he is paralyzed because he wouldn't listen. So Well, initially even, before that. Oh, yeah. But he there's dangers on the island that he's not aware of. And so I don't think we realize how many little islands there are dotting the world. I mean, the world's massive and you could be, you know, in this congested world, it's hard to believe you could be somewhere and no one would know where you are. So, of course, his parents are looking for him. Of course, you know, that is happening. But he's on when we when you say remote, it's like remote with a capital R. But I think uh it, it it's amazing how actually they both help each other because mm-hmm. Michael teaches um, him to the old man to speak English better. And then he teaches him how to paint and he loves painting. That's why I thought you would like this book because you like to paint mm-hmm. and he's painting and you would say, well, I, I've got to go to Michael's. I have to buy paint. Well, not really. <laughs> not technically. You don't have to. You could make your own just like. So how do they make their own? <laughs> well, I figured you would. Uh, well, they had to go 
get an octopus and they used octopus ink for some of it. So Which is pretty cool. Which I would have liked to seen some of these shells, but and so yeah, and Michael leaves and I think he's only there a year, I think. Um, but he leaves with the he he he's has been able to learn from this master painter, a craftsman. He he picked up a skill. And so we're um so there were some bad people that knew where the island was. You want to tell us about that? So there's Oh, so that was so initially Michael did not like Kinske because he he knew there was someone that was bring leaving him food and water, but they didn't really have a lot of contact. He would just bring him food and water and leave it there. And so he was keeping him alive because Michael didn't know where to get water or food. And Michael finds this uh, bottle or glass, piece of glass, and was able to start a fire. And Kinsuke loses it, puts out his fire and says, no fire, bad men. And, but of course, Michael doesn't know what that really means. And he's mad at Kinsuke because he wants the fire so someone will see it. And anyway, um, he doesn't really know that for a long time until Kinsuke starts learning English better and is able to say that there's poachers, these bad men that come and poach. And and isn't that ironic? You can use that as a symbol because I wrote down that assumptions are usually wrong. Mm-hmm. So Michael was assuming and Kinsuke was assuming. And in life, we assume until we can really communicate. And then when they got to, when they got, were able to communicate, it changed. But how often in life, and even though you, you can speak someone's language, I think men and women are classic examples of that. Yeah, we speak the same language, but do we really? <laughs> no, there's so many, and, and that's why there's so many things like Beverly Hillbillies and things about miscommunication that are funny. You're, we're communicating, we're speaking the same language, but if you're from different cultures, it's going to hit you differently. Yeah. And like my my principal always said, he's a man, and they they hear things totally different. When you take out the trash means when you have nothing else in the world to do, take out the trash. But to a woman, it means take it out now; it's overflowing. <laughs> There's two different different channels there. So I, I'm like you. That would be so cool. That would be a good project to paint on shells and practice with that. Get you an octopus. Get some ink. <laughs> <laughs> and if they didn't like it, they would just wash off the shell. And start start over, but I think it's it's a great read about survival. It's a great read about grit, and really, I mean, we talk a lot about mindset and to be able to survive. I think you just have to have this really strong mindset. And for me, it connected a lot with Unbroken because mm. it 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 has that 1945, the World War II connection that they were kind of in a similar situation. Um, shot down and the difference of people that survived and the ones that didn't came down to mindset really. So I think a a lot of people that have been stranded um, or are faced with that, a lot of times they can't, they don't survive when they could all because of their mindset. Well, that's like in, they say, um, what was it? Victor Frankl. In the prison, you know, he said there were people that were sharing their food and they, they had very little meager thing at Auschwitz and all those places mm-hmm. that some people survived because they were thinking of others mm-hmm. instead of just themselves. So, and that is that mindset, like, 
what can I do to make the world a better place instead of saying, what's in it for me? What can I do? And then you can see Michael evolving and changing because he develops a relationship. But, you know, I think we forget that relationships take time and they don't just happen. So day after day. So if he hadn't been paralyzed by the jellyfish and had all that time, you know, I think that was good because he saw he saw Ken's cave for what he really was and that he was a gentle soul. He's very gentle with the animals. And but I think I pictured his or pictured, I guess I heard his voice as being gruff, Mm -hmm. maybe rough. And, you know, I I feel like when he said don't swim in the water, he was, you know, barking it. And then I think Michael thought that he was you're not the boss of me type. Mm -hmm. You know, he's an only child, you know, kind of like he probably thought you're not gonna tell me what to do. And therefore, I think they were a good combination and they learned from each other. And I think it was good for Kinsuke to have someone to think about. Because if you think about it, he'd, he'd only been able to think about himself, really. In the animals. In the animals, I guess. But he that gave him a chance to really uh, care for Michael. And and he had... So he, the other side of his story, too, was that when he was on this ship, when he was a soldier... Or he was a doctor, actually, yeah. I think, on the ship. Um, he heard that Nagasaki was bombed. And he had a wife and kid in Nagasaki. So he assumed that they just died. So then he had no desire to leave the island. Civilization. He didn't want to. He wanted to forget about civilization because everything. I mean, he thought it would be easier to do that. So, And he didn't think that Nagasaki would be able to rebuild or anything like that. And it was interesting, too, because when he's asking Michael all these questions, about because he's wanting to know about Japan, Michael said his he didn't really know a lot because I and I think that's true. Sometimes we just kind of know about our culture. We don't really understand a lot of times. Well, especially Japan, you wouldn't want to know about Japan. They're the bad guys. Mm-hmm. They would be the bad guys. That would be like saying, "What do you know about the Germans?" Uh, the less I know about the Germans, the better. <laughs> well, I think that would have been the same case with Japan in England because mm-hmm. England was with us mm-hmm. with, and I think that was. Uh, you know, you just don't want to know at that time. Now people are curious. And because we have technology, we can know about things. But at that time, you would just know a very limited amount, you know. I mean, we kind of tend to stick in our bubble. But I think it's good that, like, for, I don't know how many, when did you start the Travel Tuesday? Um, Like four years ago or something like that. Yeah. Which is really cool that, so every Tuesday you would let your kids, they would write down on will you describe it on travel tuesday and it might have been five years ago um it was at the beginning of school where everybody put in on a post-it note in a box that someplace they would like to visit and then we would pull it out and then we kind of study the culture and the um where it's at the geographical place and then um their capital how they made money and you know are, do they believe in God? Do you know? Are they run by a dictator? Or so they begin to get curious, and you can see that over time. Uh, yeah, my friend Lacey, she started doing that, and she didn't want to do it at first because she said, "Well, how do you know where you're going to go?" 
to me because there's this box full of places. And I said, you don't know. And she said, whoa, I don't know if I can do that. But she summoned up her courage and she did it. And then she just loved it. She loved it. And uh, she said, that's my favorite part. And, you know, at the end of the year, kids will say, that's their favorite part. Most kids love Travel Tuesday. So we go somewhere, we learn about it, and then, um, man, and this year, if see, I had these kids for two years in a row. So then we were going to places like Vinwatu. Where in the Sam Hill is Vinwatu? So Miss Barnes had to work really hard. This and they were loving it. I saw a little gleam in their eye, like uh, Kyrgyzstan and all these places. So I'm like, uh, I learned a lot. Though I mean, some places I had never even heard of. Well, I think that's that. I love the idea because we get so trapped in our bubble and we only know about our culture and what we're doing. And so I think that's a huge uh, benefit to all the kids that you've taught that you opened up that bubble and and then for yourself too. Like, I mean, yeah, I've never even heard of that place. I would have. I don't you know. know. What? They they all got. To- curious and they all you know they were all excited about it and and then i think there's i think that in america we've tried to make education so easy for kids to we have dumbed it down and people think that's just a phrase no we really have instead of making it harder and challenging and uh, makes the kids curious like some places we draw an outline of the country, some place we draw the flag, whatever, you know, we, and we'd ask, how, how are they, like this one boy, he said, well, if they have all these natural resources, like this one place had more oil than any place stored, but more poverty than most places. Why? And he said, is that the government's problem? Has the government been cheating the people and all this kind of stuff. So they were asking really difficult questions that I had no idea what the answer was, but it made them look into it. So I think in this right here, in this case, if you, this would be a great summer read. And then you could look at the islands and maybe there's the Island of the Blue Dolphins. There's the K, there's, you know, different stories. This was from Jim Trelease's handbook. That's where I got this. Well, yeah, and and they even I think they put like Japanese words in the back. Oh, that was no, yeah, and chapter. So I I think it's it's really good about just kind of looking at a little bit of a different culture, and the and and I think that's true too. We I think we can learn from other cultures, like the Okinawans. Like they have the most, I think the long or the most centurions I think live in Okinawa. People over the age of a hundred. And or hundred and over, and so then I'm like, you, we need to learn from like, okay, what are they doing? You know, and most of the time they have a very peace. They work hard. They have a very peaceful outlook. Um, they eat really good food and a lot of fish. Funny you should mention that because I just heard Jonathan Stormont talk, and he was saying that the in, the completion of the of the interstate is what started fast food, and which also led to the obesity epidemic. So because of the internet, I mean, interstate, because of the interstate. And also he said another thing, the guy who invented the remote control, like for your TV, he did that for handicapped people who couldn't move. And he, the end of his life felt really bad because he said, I have made people lazy. And he felt bad for that. I mean, but he he really made it for people that couldn't get up. I mean, I can tell you back I'm so old that we didn't have remotes when I was a kid. We were the remote. 
Go change it. Yeah, we only had two channels or three channels, you know. So I think sometimes we have too many choices. And so kids, when they say, I don't like that, well, if you had a thousand choices, then, you know, that you could just be really picky and keep going and searching. You know, I've, I've had kids read a book 60 pages and say, Miss Barnes, I don't think this is a good fit book. And I've had a kids read it six pages and say, well, first of all, did you read the blurb on the back? Did you read that? Because that pretty much tells you what the book's about. So if you pick this book and you don't like historical fiction, well, you're not going to like it. <laughs> you know, because in the back, it tells you that an island in the Pacific and you're going to go back in time. You know, you're going to see what happens. So and it also tells you how much the impact of war affects people, doesn't it? Yes. Okay. And now we're going to get, we're going to talk about the end a little bit. So if you don't want to hear the ending, this would be a good time to stop. Um, but so, but so spoiler alert, but anyway, go ahead and what happens at the end of the story? Well, so you didn't ask me, and I'm glad you didn't, what I rated it. And I rated it four and a half because I didn't rate it five stars, which is the top. Because he wrote it well, I loved the book, but why would I give it four and a half? Well, I didn't like the ending, and I don't think you like the ending either. So, um, and I have a, a little sidebar here. Fear paralyze, uh, paralyzes us. Uh, Kinsuke failed to reunite with his family, or even try to reunite with his family. And that disturbed me, that he didn't try. I mean, if... if you try and fail, that's so much different than not trying at all. And that was my, and so I think fear does paralyze us. I love that. I lo- that's so true. Like, it's okay to be afraid, but it's not okay to let it stop you from doing what, doing something that you know you should do. And so, well, anyway, after Kinsuke learns English and they talk more and they've lived together for almost a year, he does allow Mike, because he knows how homesick Michael is for his parents. He does allow Michael to do this fire and they see a ship coming. And so, and he couldn't leave and he decides to stay. And, and, but not only that, which I thought was we, okay. So that's one thing. That's his choice. He's saying, I I don't think my family's alive. And I don't even want to find out. He he doesn't want to find out. And he doesn't want to leave his orangutans is, is the excuse he gave. So, but I'm like, you could always go back to the island. If you if you leave and you find that everything's destroyed, there's nothing left for you, you can always go back. But so it bothered me that he didn't leave, but apparently it's based on a true story and that's what the guy didn't leave. Um so that bothered me, even though Michael tried to talk him out of it. And the other thing he said that bothered me is he said he he didn't want Michael to even tell anybody about him for ten years. Yeah. I had forgot about that because I wrote down here, most memorable scene, the letter from Kinsuke's son that he and Michael met. And then he actually thought that Kinsuke's son had the same kind of laugh as his dad. And that was memorable to me that Michael actually had more courage and more, you know, than Kinsuke. But I thought, well, you know what? Michael was born at a different time. He's had different, you know, Kinsuke maybe had had all the heartbreak he could handle. And he, he, in the back of his mind, he didn't know for sure if they were dead. And maybe he just couldn't, you know, everybody is different, you know, because you got to think he lost everything. 
and he didn't know. But if he'd went back, he would have met the son. Well, if he'd, because he, he had opportunities before Michael arrived on the island to go back, and he would have had his wife and kid, because they did survive Nagasaki. But I think his wife, by the time Michael was there, or by the time he, it was 10 years. So we don't know. I don't know when That's she That's true. I never thought about that. So he yeah, waited 10, 10 years to write did. the book. Mm-hmm. So That's true. That is, um, yeah, and you were saying there's a lot of Michaels in here. You want to tell them all about that? Yeah, the, the guy that wrote the book's Michael, the, the guy in the story's Michael, and the illustrator's Michael. So I thought that was funny, too, all the Michaels. But anyway, that that's the only thing I didn't like about the book was the ending. But I I think that maybe that's good for us to see, though, because sometimes I think we are um, Kinsuke. It's like, well, we probably should step out of our comfort zone and do something that's scary and risky. And but we just kind of justify staying, and we usually have a good excuse for it. Well, I got to take care of the orangutans. Yeah. So. And that could be code word. We could use that now. You said, "Is this really true, or are you just taking care of orangutans?" (laughs) Because, like you said, I guess when I read the book, I never thought he could have went back. I was just disappointed in him because here's this guy that figured out how to survive on this island, but and that took a lot of grit, a lot of determination. He learned a language. Most people say, I'm too old to learn a language. No, he learned it from Michael. And that would inspire anybody. You know, I've been wanting to learn a second language because I'm thinking, hey, this old guy, this old geezer could do (laughs) I mean, I could. But I'm thinking, and then yet in this particular area, it was like tunnel vision. And yeah, but you're right. We just kind of use something as an excuse not to branch out because therefore, if we do, we might fail. The attempt might fail. And that goes with the other book, The Gift of Failure, that every parent should read that. Uh, Coming soon. Yeah, to a podcast near you. (laughs) But the thing is, that is a gift to fail. So what if he had went out and found that they, but he didn't know and there might have been something. Not everybody was destroyed. And I mean, but man, that, that it was, I thought for a kid's book, it really packed a punch. I mean, it did. So I think this is a great, a great one for boys or girls, but probably more boys would be, it's more adventurous because the main guy is the boy. But yeah, it's, it's a great story. Themes, survival, friendship, uh, relationship with nature, kind of, those are kind of some basic themes, but. And I got it at thrift. I got it at thrift book, so it's um it's a good solid book. Uh, it's old enough you won't have any um, agenda problems <laughs> because sometimes people push the agenda. This is back before people were doing that. In fact, when we looked up Michael Maporco, he's a he's a knight. He's been knighted. I think that's pretty cool. He should be Sir. That's Sir Michael to you. But uh, so that tells me he's humble. Yeah. So anyway, I think that's a wrap on Kinsuke's Kingdom and by Michael Mapurgo, M-O-R-P-U-R-G-O. And let's keep those pages turning and those book lights burning. And you know, it is summer. Don't forget to recharge. I almost let my book light go down. (laughs) We'll see you on the next one.